wonderful name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift up your voice just a moment longer, if you would. Lift up your hands just a moment longer, and would you just talk to the Lord for a moment? Hallelujah. Doesn't it feel good in the middle of the week to come in here and just lift up your hands and lift up your worship? Call upon the name that is above every name and the name that's above every situation, the name that's above every struggle. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, we worship your name. Hallelujah, Jesus. We honor you, oh, great God. There's nobody like you, and there's none beside you. There's no one that compares to you. Hallelujah. He said through the prophet Isaiah, to whom will you liken me and compare me that we may be like? For I am the Lord and there is none else. I am the Lord and there is none beside me. That they may know from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same that I am the Lord your God. We're not just worshiping a higher power tonight. We're not just worshiping a good feeling tonight. We're not just worshiping some theology or some religious philosophy, but we are worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord that is above every Lord that has ever lorded and lived. That's my Lord. That's my King. That's who we're worshiping tonight. Somebody ought to give Him praise for just a minute. We worship You, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. He is great and greatly to be praised. Praise God. Praise God. I like what I feel in here in the middle of the week. So thankful to be back with you. Love the Kyle family. The Kyle family very much. You had to be here Sunday for that. I'm losing my mind in my old age, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he's been calling me Brother Bachelor all week, too. So I don't know if that's old age or payback. <laughs> Uh, but I do, I, I mentioned SAP on Sunday, but I'm so used to hearing SAP because when I'm at conferences and meetings, uh, people typically come up to me and uh, they'll accuse me of being Brother SAP. And it's either SAP or Robinette. I don't know, do they, ha do they know who he is? Do you have him here? Charles Robinette, one of my dear friends. And so uh, I guess, I don't know. Well, I won't go down that road, but um, anyhow, so that's why I guess I had saps uh, stuck in my head, but uh, that's a good thing to get out of your head. Uh, it's good to be here with the Kyles. I love and appreciate them. He asked me, he said, if you don't mind while you're preaching, I'm going to slip down. I said, don't do like a pastor. So that's fine. Just don't do like a pastor did to me a long time ago. He disappeared during the service, found out he was in his office drinking Dr. Pepper. Uh, you know you ain't preaching good when the pastor's in his office drinking Dr. Pepper. Man, do you remember that? Yeah, she, my wife remembers that. Uh, good, good to have my family here with me. I love my wife and my two sons and our daughter. Uh, this is Zion. Zion, wave your hand to everybody. Zion's our 11-year-old. Asher, wave at everybody. Asher's our 8-year-old and Finley Grace. Daddy's little princess, wave your hand at everybody. And she just turned six. She's six. So, uh, and then my wife, I think you know who she is. She's the one kind of wrangling all of us. And so I'm glad that, glad that they're here with me and thankful that they were afforded the opportunity to come with me on this occasion. Love being with your pastor and his family. Uh, they just, they're just relaxed. They're easygoing. They're kingdom-minded people. They're people that make you better. Uh, they make you want to be better uh, Christians, uh, better preachers, better parents. Uh, they just make you want to be better. And we just love being around them. And I know you feel that way. I'm going to read a, a couple of verses of scripture here uh, tonight, and I'll read one at the outset, then I'll reference another 
throughout. I, I, I know what time your target time to be done is, and so uh, we'll be done by that time. But I've got kind of a, uh, a scattering of thoughts here tonight and something that I feel like the Lord has put in my spirit for this service. Acts chapter 1, and I am uh, reading verse number 9, Acts chapter 1 and verse number 9. I'm reading from the New King James Version. I don't know if you have access to that for the screens, but I'm reading Acts chapter 1 in verse number 9. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward the heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing into heaven, this same Jesus who was taken up? from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In other words, just like he ascended, there's a day coming that he is going to return. As he ascended, he is going to descend. And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And the Bible says when they had entered, they went into the upper room. Aren't you thankful that we have the event of the upper room that we are still celebrating a couple of thousand years later, the upper room Acts chapter 2 outpouring? Can I tell you from the outset tonight that the upper room experience did not start in Acts chapter 2, but the upper room experience began in Acts chapter 1. Got to fully understand the process to fully uh, appreciate the outcome. You've got to understand the sequence of events to appreciate the outpouring and the breakthrough that took place. And the Bible lets us know all of these that were there in the upper room. And in verse 14, it says they continued with one accord in prayer. Everybody say in prayer. Everybody say in prayer. Look at your neighbor and say, we need to be in prayer. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you. I don't really have a fancy title tonight. I'm just going to talk to you about the process of revival, okay? The process of revival. Lay your Bibles down. Lift up your voice to the Lord one more time. And let's ask Jesus to talk to us here in our next few minutes of time together. Would you lift up your voice? And would you pray a specific prayer? Ask Jesus to speak to every one of us here tonight. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your power that is already evident in this place. And God, I pray right now that you would move in this room. God, that you would let there be a loosing of revelation and a loosing of understanding. And I pray that as it changes our minds, it would transform our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that there would be victory and dominion that is realized in your name and by your spirit we give you praise in Jesus name and let the church say amen let the church clap your hands let the church lift your voice one more time to the Lord hallelujah Jesus praise God and you can be seated in Jesus' name. Just don't stay that way too long. You'll make me nervous. Revival, growth, increase. The advancement of the kingdom of God in this earth. Souls being added to the kingdom. Disciples being produced in the church. That is always the will and the plan of God for this body. There is never an excuse given in the New Testament church as to why a church would not grow. Thank you, two and a half of you. I don't find an excuse anywhere in the pages of my Bible. After the initial outpouring of the Holy Ghost, I don't ever find an excuse or a reason that the church should not be in a state of advancement, that the church should not be growing and advancing on the enemy's kingdom. I don't ever find a reason that your 
brothers and your sisters and your mamas and daddies and your children should not be being added to the church. I don't find a reason in the New Testament since the initial outpouring. I don't ever find an excuse that the church uh, should ever go extended lengths of time where the waters of baptistry are not troubled. I don't ever find an excuse where the church should go an extended period of time where the Holy Ghost is not being poured out. Somebody act like you believe that right alongside the preacher tonight. I don't ever find a reason that we should go for an extended period of time where there is not a miracle, where there is not a prayer answered, where there is not a God work that only He can get a glorified for I'm telling you, uh, we are living in the church's finest hour. We are living in the very last of the last days. Uh, we are living in the days that God said, not, not some preacher, uh, uh, not some pastor, not some organizational official, uh, but God said in the last days, uh, I will pour out my spirit uh, upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters. Uh, that breaks down uh, uh, age barriers. And your old men uh, and your young men. That breaks down uh, more barriers. And uh, every kindred race and tongue. That, that breaks down every racial barrier. Uh, 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 your servants, your handmaidens. Uh, that breaks down every social barrier. In other words, every kindred, tribe, tongue, uh, people. Whether you're black, white, purple, with pink polka dots living in the gutter or living in a mansion in the United States or somewhere around the world you are a candidate to receive and not only to receive but to be a part of end time revival we are living in the church's greatest hour there has never been a day like today but that promise of revival and harvest and increase and growth and advancement. Can I tell you uh, that, that uh, from the bigger picture, if we can narrow it down, can I tell you it is also the will of God that every believer in the church be victorious. It's not just the will of God. I, I, I touched on this train of thought Sunday that the church go on to advance and people be left stranded behind but I'm telling you it is the will of God that every believer in this room walk in the victory that was afforded you by the cross of Calvary and the empty tomb and the upper room it's God's will that you walk in the dominion I said it's God's will that you walk in the dominion and it's God's will that you walk in the victory that He already paid the price for. And I'm going to preach tonight until a few more of you believe that. I'm going to preach tonight until a few more of you get a revelation of that. I'm going to preach the Word of God tonight until somebody that walked in this place with your head down walks out with your head up. Somebody who walked in this house beat down walks out of this place with your spirit lifted by the Word of God. I wish somebody just clap your hands uh, for just about 15 or 20 seconds uh, and you'd throw your head back uh, and say, speak to us tonight, Jesus. Uh, speak to us tonight, Jesus. Uh, help us tonight, oh, great Savior. Hallelujah. You can be seated. You see it in the book of Acts. You see a distinguishable, measurable pattern of growth in the church. You see growth and advancement. You see that the book of Acts began. There were 12. 12 followers, 12 disciples, 12 members. Sounds like a, a church plant to me. And then from 12, they go to the upper room. Well, no, back up. From 12, 
they go to 11. Because sometimes, you see, God's math isn't this common core or this math they teach in schools. God's math works differently sometimes. Heaven is his throne, earth is his footstool. He made you. He created me. He created the earth. I think he can operate by his own rules, don't you? Sometimes in God's economy, you do add by subtraction. Well, I don't have time to get on that rabbit trail or we'd be there a little while. But sometimes in God's economy, you advance uh, by, by, by decreasing. Well... Because, hey, help us, Holy Ghost. Because sometimes uh, there's just folks that made up in their mind they're not going to make the journey. There's sometimes there's just folks that have made up in their spirit. I ain't going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not with it. And if that's you, guess what? God proved that in the Old Testament, he'll let you wander in a wilderness of your own making till you die off. And then the next generation will still occupy the promise. God is that serious about promise. And he's that serious about unity in the face of the promise. Let me just say as a side note, that's why you got to be careful whose side you are on. That's why the cry went out and the line was drawn in the sand and Joshua said, choose you this day who you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've seen what happens to people that fight against it. I've watched the destruction of people that work against the kingdom. I've watched the devastation of families that fight against apostolic authority I'm not going there I don't want any part of that as for me and my house we will serve the Lord So they go in the book of Acts from 12 down to 11. And then they go back up to 12. How could they go back up to 12 that quickly? I'll tell you how. Because there's not a one of us in this room that isn't replaceable. Uh-oh. There was a little hesitation in some of you right there. There is not one of us in this room that is not replaceable. Gotten, I am so glad to be a part of the kingdom, but honey, the day that my ego gets so big that I think God can't do it without me, buddy, I need to get out of the way. God doesn't need me. I'm just a pile of dirt put together, blown in by His Spirit. God doesn't need me, and God doesn't need you. I'm, the evangelist is replaceable the pastor's replaceable every saint in this church is replaceable God doesn't need us he loves us and chooses to use us he loves us enough to say I'm going to bless you with my spirit and if you'll submit to my hand and you'll hear my voice I'm going to let you be a vessel of use in my kingdom I'm going to let you be a vessel of honor I get a little nervous when I see people get so puffed up in themselves or people that get so mightily used of God that they start walking around with their chest puffed out and somehow they feel like the church really needs them, boy. They really convinced that they're all that and two bags of potato chips. And man, this church really couldn't run without me. You don't know what I do here. You don't know what I lead. You don't know how much I contribute. You don't know. Let me tell you, God could place you, replace you without even... I'm not trying to be mean or ugly. I, I, I may be ugly, but I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you right now, God doesn't need you. He wants you, but he doesn't need you. The kingdom is going to go forward. There's going to be revival. There's going to be harvest. There is going to be increase. Somebody ought to lift up your voice right now. Somebody will lift up your voice and receive the word of the Lord in the name of Jesus. God, give us a revelation of who we are in you. God, give me an understanding of who I am in your economy. 
My, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost. God doesn't need me. He wants to use me. Let me tell you who God uses to talk. Let me tell you who God uses in the Bible to relay his message. He's used bushes, he's used donkeys, and he's used people. I'm just number three in the line, baby. He can go back to a bush anytime he wants. He can open up the mouth of a donkey anytime he wants. He They didn't do it, but he said, if you hold your peace, I'll let the rocks cry out. I'm telling you, this thing's so simple. God says a rock could take your place. Ain't nothing special about me. What are you saying? Are you trying to beat up our self-esteem? I'm telling you, what we do not need is more self-esteem. What we need is God-esteem. I don't need to think of myself better in myself. I need to see myself as he sees myself. I need to look at Luke Levine through the eyes of the Master. Oh, my, 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 I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you what this world says. This world's answer to depression, this world's answer to suicide, this world's answer to all of these things is build your self-esteem up. Do better, get better, be better. Now, don't misunderstand me. We got people doing all kind of crazy things to build up their self-esteem. People spending hours at the gym. I'm not, I'm not speaking against health. Lord knows I need to go to the gym. I'm not speaking against being healthy. There's people who change their whole diet. Why? Some of them do it because the doctor says. Some people do it just to build up their self-esteem. There's people having all kinds of surgeries and injections. And just to feel better. Just to look better. Just to... The answer for a child of God to low self-esteem is not thinking of myself better. Do you realize that is a rat race trap of the enemy? Because you will never be good enough. You will never look good enough. You will never be good enough. But I'm telling you, the answer to that is to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. As his child. As someone that he paid his precious blood to redeem. To see yourself through the eyes of a God that said, I love you in spite of your mistakes even though you've tripped up and slipped up I don't love you any less I'm still here with outstretched arms I'm still reaching for you my I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight I'm telling you, God doesn't need me, and he doesn't need you. But what he does need is somebody, anybody, everybody that'll say, Lord, I want your kingdom come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so the disciples, the disciples went from 12 to 11, back to 12. Now watch this. They had the perfect setup. To have absolute chaos and turmoil in their midst. They were being attacked by the government. Their leader had just left them. Now we read the rest of the story. But they didn't know how this was all going to work out. They didn't know the time frame. They literally watched the man who fed them and led them. Go to the upper room. Uh, okay. Till you be endued with power from on high. Till you receive power from on high. Who, who's G? Usually Jesus takes the lead in these journeys, but Peter, you want John? You want? You talk about awkward. That must have been. Sometimes we just rush past these things. Do you realize the state of mind they must have been in? The emotional low of watching the crucifixion. Then the high of 
seeing him alive again and thinking, all right, we got it back together. The band's back together, baby. We're going to overthrow the Roman government. We're going to take it back, man. This is it. Revival right now. Woo, here we go. And then Jesus says, nope. What? What? I mean, it's like emotional whiplash. But oh, precious disciples, you are in the process of revival. They go to the upper room. I, I, I would say that the place that they were in right now, leaderless and with very unclear direction, just go to the upper room and wait. What's it going to look like? What day is it going to come? I don't know. How exactly is it going to happen? He didn't say that. Well, what's the 12-step plan? What does the creative team think about this? What is the pastoral team? What's the board? What? Just go and wait. I would classify that as a bit of a provoking situation. <laughs> pushing them out of a comfort zone. Pushing them into a place they were unfamiliar with. But they go into the upper room and they wait and they pray and they pray and they wait. Can I tell you the revival that was poured out in Acts chapter 2 began in Acts chapter 1 with loss and with uncertainty. What God wants to show us tonight is sometimes his greatest works and his greatest outpourings begin in a way that is unrecognizable to us. What you got to understand, if you don't understand it, you'll miss it. If you don't understand it, you'll pray against, you'll push back against the very thing that God is trying to give you. Do you hear what I'm saying right now? Uh, Jesus, couldn't you just pour the Spirit out right here, right now? Couldn't you just make this easy? Why you got to leave us? Why you got to send us to an upper room? Why you got to leave us hanging uh, with, with instructions that are not ex exactly clear? I'll tell you why. Because you're going to learn to trust me and you're going to learn to follow me. And if I know you can follow me in uncertain times, then I know you can follow me when the Spirit's being poured out. If I know you can be obedient to me when you don't know where your next meal's coming from, then I know you won't have any problem obeying me when you're standing at the balcony of the upper room uh, preaching to the congregation of masses uh, I'm telling you God knows what he is doing and we are right where he wants us to be in the process of revival God does not make mistakes God is not caught off guard God has never said, oh no. God has never said, oh my. God is not surprised. They prayed for about 10 days. 10 days praying, 10 days. 120 people, think about this, do the math. 120 people, 10 days in an upper room. I guarantee it wasn't near as big as this room. In fact, it wouldn't even have been as big as this platform. I've been to that part of the world. I'm telling you, it would have been maybe, maybe about as big as this little area right here. And they had 120 people crammed in there praying for 10 days. Before the Spirit was ever poured out. Everybody say 10 days. See, we got it messed up. We got it backwards. We'll preach 10 sermons. And want the outpouring. We'll sing ten songs and expect the outpouring. But they prayed for ten days. There was no preaching. I don't know that there was any playing. There was just a whole lot of praying. 
And after 10 days, whoa, man, 10 days, 10 days, 10 days, 120 people locked up in the same room. Can you imagine what that room was to smelt like? I mean, this was old school Jerusalem. you imagine how hot it would have been? Upstairs room, there ain't no air conditioning. Heat rises, honey. They're in a stone building. Think about this. See, we just think about this. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven. of was a rushing mighty wind. It came all through the house. And, and then some of us don't understand what God's doing in our life because we show up every service saying, Where's the rushing mighty wind? Where's the wind? Oh, come on, God. Come on, God. Show up. And instead, at times, our life is visited with uncertainty. And our life is visited with discomfort. And our life is visited with things that we wish were not a part of our existence. And we push against those things. But if you understand the process of revival, there is always discomfort before the Spirit is poured out. There is always... There is always times of uncertainty before the wind begins to blow, baby. But if you just hold on and keep praying. There, there had to be some tremendous unity. I'll tell you why. Because there was 120 people in the room for 10 days. I can't think of 10 people that I'd want to be locked in the same room with for two days. y'all are more spiritual well, if I was praying I could, okay alright well you one up the preacher then because I don't know that there's 10 people on the planet that I like that much y'all thinking man here we go we got the carnal preacher capping the pastor will save us next week I heard we have a special speaker when I walked in the door pastor Kyle's preaching for us next Sunday hallelujah he'll rescue the damage that Levine has done. Here. I'm telling you, that took some unity. That took some unity. I know what it's like. I know what it's like being locked up in a hotel room with my family. <laughs> right? Sometimes it gets a little... Right? My wife's like that circus conductor. What do they call him? The ringmaster? My wife's like the ringmaster, man, trying to keep the monkeys from killing the lions and the penguins where they're supposed to be. Right? I can't imagine 120 people in one room for 10 days. You know what that tells me? The scripture doesn't have to say it, but it's obvious to see that there must have been an incredible sense of mission. When there is a strong sense of mission, my personal pain doesn't matter near as much. My own discomfort is easily looked past. <laughs> my, ooh, Lord have mercy. I'm telling you, if I'm just walking down the street and stumble and skin my knee, I may hobble just a little bit. And I may need to go patch it up and nurse it just a little bit. But you know what? If I'm on the football team and, and we're in the championship game, I can about break my leg off. And, buddy, I'm going to be out there for the next play. I'm not going to be whining about it. I'm going to be trying to pay the guy back who did it to me. I'm tell Why? Because there's a sense of mission. There's a sense of purpose that overpowers uh, my pain. God give us a renewed sense of purpose. Uh, the purpose is a kingdom purpose. Uh, that this thing is about kingdom advancement. Uh, it's not about my preferences. Uh, it's not about my personal priorities. Uh, it's not about my feel good prayer list. Uh, that I'm asking God to answer. Uh, but God we want the church to grow. Uh, we want the church to advance. Uh, we want the kingdom to flourish. Uh, in the Palm Beaches area. God give us a sense of mission that overrides anything that would cause disunity.
God, give us such a sense of mission. I'm telling you, when I get that kind of sense of mission, when I know that it's just a matter of time that the wind is going to blow and the fire is going to fall, I can forget about how much you annoy me sometimes. I can forget about how you offended me. I can forgive you and move on. Why? Because there is a mission that is more important than seeking justice or seeking... You don't worry about stupid stuff. Can I say that? There's kids here. I'm sorry. You don't worry about silly stuff when you got a strong sense of mission. I tell you, I don't care. The building may be too hot. That's all right. There's a mission. It may be too cold. I don't think that's ever the case here but uh, in Florida. But uh, they're, they're, I've got a sense of mission. The sound may be too loud. It may be too quiet. They may song my favorite song. They may sing a song. I hate. it doesn't matter. I've got a sense of mission. There's somebody here that needs Jesus. There's a region that needs Jesus. There's a Holy Ghost that's ready. Let me tell you what happened. They prayed. Uh, they prayed. They were provoked. Uh, they were in an uncertain situation. Uh, and their response to the provoking uh, was that they went to a place of unified uh, prayer. Uh, and after the unified prayer, uh, all of a sudden, suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind. Uh, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Uh, if you want the prevailing uh, that only the Spirit can bring, uh, you've got to respond to the provoking uh, by taking it to a place of prayer. That's the process of revival. It happens again and again and again in the New Testament. I don't even have time to go through the references. It happens again and again. They get out of the upper room. They're doing the work of God. Come upon a lame man at the gate. Beautiful. God uses them to raise him up. And guess what? After the miracle, they're put back in prison. Put in prison, excuse me. They're put in prison. Provoking. They pray. Prayer. They prevail. As the authorities scratch their heads and say, For indeed a notable miracle has been done by them and has made manifest to all them that dwell at Jerusalem. Verse 16 says, And we cannot deny it. Prevailing. Do you realize this pattern was set up by Jesus Christ himself I'm sorry if if you're into that kind of prosperity preaching that tells you that every day should be a 10 <laughs> silly little rabbit <laughs> that every day now Brother Levine you said it's God's will we live victorious right Right. Absolutely. Check Hebrews chapter 11. Some of them overcame. They all overcame. Some of them miraculously delivered out of the trial. Some of them were miraculously kept through the trial. Why did some come out victorious miraculously? They were delivered out and others were sawn in half. Gave their life for their faith. I don't know. Ask the Lord one day. I don't have the answer to that. But I know that they're all, all listed in what we call the hall of faith. They're all listed as heroes of the faith. So before I kill this service completely, let me tell you. I'm not preaching some prosperity doctrine that it's God's will that everybody in this room be multimillionaires and drive new Cadillacs or Royces or whatever you want to drive. I'm not preaching that it's God's will that every day be a 10. I'm sorry if that hurts your little feelings. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry that I said it. I'm sorry that you're easily offended. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. Some of the greatest men in Scripture were tested and tried. Can I just be real with you? I, I feel in the Holy Ghost, God, God put me here tonight to cap off this, this weeks of revival we've had by letting you know that if, if the enemy can get some false 
hood planted in your mind under the guise of faith that every day should be a 10 and I should never have adversity and I should never fight and I should never have trouble and I should never have sickness and there shouldn't be anything that ever walks into my life that I just can't come in on a Sunday and shout my way out of. If he can get you to think that, then he has already got the battle half won because life is going to happen. The rain falls on the just and the unjust I know good people that get sick I know good people that die of cancer and I know some evil people that get sick and some evil people that die of cancer can I remind you that as long as we live in this world that is so tainted by the toxic nature of sin that we are susceptible to the touch of its curse but may I also remind you that we have a greater mission through that process that we are not like people of this world we do not weep like they weep we do not leave like they leave I'm telling you we take our provoking to a place of prayer and it produces a prevailing that only the spirit of God can bring it produces a prevailing that advances the kingdom of God in this earth somebody clap your hands and lift your voice to the Lord right now in the name of Jesus Jesus give me five more minutes give me five more minutes the devil showed up in the wilderness Jesus Jesus is tempted he is tempted he is tried do you realize Previous to his tempting, in Luke chapter 3, we read that he was baptized. And the Spirit of the Lord descended as it were a dove. And a voice from heaven said, Behold my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear me. Jesus was fully God and Jesus was fully man. Make no mistake about it. The voice from heaven brought affirmation of Jesus' earthly ministry. Brought affirmation of Jesus' purpose in this earth. But immediately after that affirmation, immediately after that public display of faith, submission, obedience, and baptism, Jesus was ushered into the wilderness. He went from a spiritual high, if you will, to a low place, to a dry place, to a testing place. And the enemy showed up in the place of testing. The enemy didn't show up at the baptism. Hear me, hear me. The adversary isn't going to try to mess with you on Sunday morning. He's not going to try to mess with you on Wednesday night. He's going to wait till you're in a desert. Till you're all alone. And you're by yourself. And the enemy shows up. When Jesus had no one, if the devil would have showed up when John and all the early believers were there, they would have run that devil off. But the devil shows up when it's you all alone by yourself. It's just you and him. And he shows up with a voice of temptation. Satan. He is God become flesh. He's on his way to Calvary to win victory once and for all. And Satan shows up, watch this, for no other reason than to circumvent the process. Satan knows who he is. He takes him to a high place and he says, do you see this? All of the kingdoms of this earth can be yours if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus is about to win a victory that is going to bring 
victory to all the kingdoms of the earth. It's going to make it available to everybody that they were looking out at that day. But the enemy shows up and says, if you'll just bow right here, right now in the desert, in the wilderness, I'll give it all to you right now. The enemy's goal is to get you to step outside of God's process for your life. What the enemy is literally saying is, you don't have to go to Calvary to get all of this. Do you know the pain that's going to be at Calvary? Do you know what you're going to have to go through for, for that kingdom advancement? Do you know what you're going to have to experience? Just take the easy way out, man. Just, just bow. Just turn these stones into bread. Just do. Can I tell you the enemy is always trying to tempt the church and every believer in the church uh, to step outside of the process. Uh, he says you can have the victory without the Calvary. But this preacher's preaching to you tonight to tell you uh, that you can never circumvent God's process. Uh, you're going to have to go through some provoking and you're going to have to go through some prayer rooms if you're ever going to see the provoke. He's tempting Jesus to step away. The exact same thing that we're tempted with. And watch this. Jesus passes the test. He stays in the wilderness. And the very next verse we read, it says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Now, there's a whole other message in here, and I'm closing and don't have time to even really touch on it. But the Bible says when he went into the wilderness, he was being led of the Spirit, right? The Spirit was leading him. He leaves the wilderness in the power of the Spirit because the wilderness will produce something in you. Dark places and trials and sickness and difficulty and resistance will produce a spiritual muscle in you that cannot be produced with a Sunday night shout or a Wednesday night worship I'm telling you when you are allowed to walk through the valley of the shadow of death there is something that is produced in you that cannot be produced any other way Jesus steps out of the wilderness in the power of the spirit and the very next words we read out of his mouth is that he steps into the temple and declares for the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to lift up those that are abused to lift up those that are cast down I'm telling you that anointing came through isolation. Uh, that anointing came through pain. Uh, that anointing came through loneliness. Uh, that anointing came through suffering. Oh, Holy Ghost. Uh, come on, somebody lift up your voice to the Lord right now. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, I'm telling you that if you'll let it, uh, the desert will bring you to your destiny. Uh, you don't need to fight the desert. Uh, embrace the desert. Uh, embrace the wilderness. Uh, because if responded to correctly, uh, it will deliver you to your destiny. Lift up your hands to the Lord. I'm, I'm closing. I'm closing. Come on, lift up your hands to the Lord all across this room. Hear me, Jesus' words. The powerful thing, there's so much to be said here. You, you are given authority. You are given dominion, I believe, over the things you've been through. The deserts and the wildernesses that you walk through produce a dominion in areas of your life. Jesus had just been isolated. He had just been lonely. He had just been under attack. And he steps into the synagogue reads of the prophet 
he says, the spirit is upon me to preach to you that are of similar condition, that are fighting, that are down, that are broken and need healed, that are bound and need deliverance. I'm telling you, don't fight against the desert because the desert delivers you to your destiny. There is power given to the New Testament church, but you hear me, power is never assigned without a purpose. Power is never just randomly given. It is always given with a purpose attached to it, and it is only through the desert that the purpose of God is revealed. It is only through the desert uh, that we are stripped of everything that doesn't matter, and all of a sudden we come out with a unity out of that upper room, out of that desert, uh, where there's nothing else that matters like the wind blowing and the fire falling and the tongue talking and the spirit moving and being poured out God give us destiny through our deserts I pray in the name of Jesus I'm telling you right now uh, a friend of mine told me recently on the phone he said Luke I'm convinced that what that half of us are praying against the things that God is trying to give us we're praying against the very things that God is trying to put in our hands uh, the reason uh, that we don't have some of the miracles uh, that we want to see uh, this is what he told me he said the Lord spoke to me and said the reason uh, that some people don't have the answers to their miracles and their prayers uh, that they're looking for is because they are praying prayers uh, asking for miracles uh, that do nothing more than circumvent the process in their life God will never step you out of his plan and his process. If you believe that, lift your hands to the Lord right now. Come on. Lift your hands all across this room. Jesus. I'm telling you the only way they can know for sure that Jesus was the Messiah in the flesh at this point is would he stay in alignment would he stay in alignment? Would he stay in alignment? I'm telling you, you may be isolated right now. And you may feel like uh, the world is moving beyond and the church is moving beyond. Uh, and you're stuck in a spiritual rut. Uh, but do not deny the desert. Uh, do not move past the desert. Uh, let the desert refine you. Uh, let the desert deliver you uh, to the place that God wants you to be. Uh, I'm telling you, Jesus started this pattern. Uh, Jesus started this process. Uh, he could have just walked into this earth uh, and he could have just kicked over the kingdoms of darkness uh, he could have just taken dominion uh, if he wanted to uh, but he said I'm going to demonstrate a pattern uh, I'm going to go through the waters of baptism uh, and then after that uh, incredible event uh, I'm going to walk into a desert uh, and I'm going to be isolated I'm going to be tested uh, I'm going to be tempted uh, and I'm going to be tried uh, and through all of that I'm going to come out with victory in my hand uh, so it should not shock us uh, that the church was founded uh, on the heels of loneliness uh, on the heels of a leader leaving them uh, on the heels of very unclear instructions uh, and they went to a place of prayer uh, and they said we know how to get through this uh, Jesus put it in our DNA uh, he put it in us we're going to go to prayer uh, and we're going to pray uh, and we're going to pray uh, and it should not surprise us uh, that we get into Acts 4 and they pray again uh, until the place is literally shaken and then all of a sudden the spear of the Lord falls again I'm telling you you're seeing a pattern of revival you're seeing a pattern a process of revival a process for the church come on stand to your feet and worship the Lord right now stand to your feet lift up your voice stand to your feet and reach out to him Come on, lift up your voice to him in the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 God, give me a revelation of what you're trying to do in my life. Lord, I won't fight it. 
I won't push against it. But God, I'll submit myself to it. God, I may not understand it. But God, I'll give myself. I'll give myself the prayer. And I'll submit myself to your mighty hand. And Lord, I may not feel like it on some days. And some days may hurt. And some days may be lonely. And some days I may have to fight things that I don't understand. Come on, somebody lift up your voice to the Lord right now through the Holy Ghost. Moving through this place in a powerful way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm preaching to all the real people here tonight. I'm preaching to the, all the authentic people here tonight. I'm preaching to people that you, you don't fake it. You say, you know what, Brother Levine, I believe in miracles, but I'm going through real life right now. I, you know what, Brother Levine, I feel like I've got good faith. I feel like I've exhibited faithfulness. But you know what? Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life is difficult. Sometimes the doctor tells me something that doesn't sound really good. I'm telling you, you're in the process. You're in the process. Just hold on. Just keep praying. Just keep coming. Just keep worshiping. Just keep serving. Just keep sacrificing. Just keep seeking. Because if you stay in the process, you're going to come out of that wilderness in the power of the Spirit. If you stay in the process, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were. You stay in the process. Stay in the process trust his process I'm telling you he makes all things new he makes all things new come on somebody reach out to the Lord right now I know I know we're about out of time but somebody needs to take some time to connect with Jesus right now somebody needs to take a few minutes to connect with Jesus right now Come on, if you know you're here tonight and you're in that process, if you know you're here tonight and you feel like, you know what, I'm in the process, I'm in the process, I'm asking you to step out of where you're at right now, and I'm asking you to walk down to this front with hands lifted, hands lifted and voices raised. Come on. I'm telling you, you don't have to be depressed. You don't have to feel defeated. You don't have to feel outnumbered or overcome, but His hand is upon you. His call is in you. His purpose is is bleeding out of you right now. Come on, just submit yourself once again to the mighty hand of the Lord. Lord, right now I give myself wholly, completely, totally to you. Lord, I present myself as a living sacrifice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice right now. Lift up your voice right now. We're going to go out of here with prayer tonight. Uh, Lift up your voice right now. Come on, just move to the rhythm of the Spirit for a few minutes. Uh, In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it, that's it. Submit yourself to him. church has walked through days no doubt that you've wondered where is God in all of this trust the process 
This church, no doubt, is going to walk through days of victory, triumph, and yet days of uncertainty between now and the rapture. Trust the Lord. Trust His process. Every believer in this room, you've had days of victory. You've had days of defeat. And as the Lord tarries, there'll be more of the same. Trust His process. Don't leave the upper room. Don't neglect your place of prayer. How is revival sustained? I'm telling you, that's how revival is sustained. Revival isn't sustained because we shout down the house every time we get together. Revival isn't just sustained because we do our certain Pentecostal routines that we do. Revival is sustained the same way Jesus demonstrated in the wilderness and the early church demonstrated in Acts. Trust the process and when you're provoked, go to prayer and stay in prayer until the prevailing winds of the Spirit begin to blow. And when they begin to blow, Rise up and declare what thus saith the Lord uh, to the masses that have gathered in the street. Uh, and about 3,000 were added to the church that same day. Uh, if you're thankful that God loves us uh, enough to trust us with His process, uh, would you lift up your voice uh, and would you begin to praise Him right now? Would you lift up your voice uh, and would you begin to celebrate uh, what He's doing in our midst? Let's reach out to him. Sing Savior. Jesus. Worthy of honor and glory. Jesus. Worthy of all of our praise. You overcame. Here I cry, Lord. Awesome and powerful Here I Awesome and great is your name We're still here, Jesus You overcame We're staying right where you put us, Lord Come on, somebody We will overcome Let the Lord know By the blood of the Lamb I'm not going anywhere until you're done with me, Jesus, Everyone I walk the process. You know we love to we love to quote that verse God will not put more on us than we can bear he will make a way of escape and that's where we want to usher out but that's not where the verse ends he goes on to let you know that he will come into that situation and give you the strength so that you can bear it. He's got you there for a purpose, the man of God said. He's not going to take you out till you're done. But He will visit you. He will come to you. He will strengthen you. And your way of escape is that God will give you the strength to bear it. My Lord have mercy. What a word tonight.
Can we thank the Lord for His Word? Thank you for your Word, God. Thank you for your Word. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I can't wait to see what you are when God's done with you. Tell somebody else, you're awesome right now. Wait till God's done with you. <laughs> Woo! Wait till he brings you out of that wilderness in the power of the Holy Ghost. My, my, my. What a word. What a word. I want to tell you, that's how you cap off a revival. <laughs> God comes and says, stay with it. Stay in it. Endure it. I'm coming. I'm on my way. Jesus. I'm telling you, some of you... Well, we all needed this word tonight. But some of you, you needed this word tonight. God came to strengthen you, help you. This is the Lord's way of letting us know just how much He loves you in your situation, in your difficulty. He's there with us. David said, yea. He said, when I walk, what? Through that valley of death. The Lord is with me. He's with me. My good word. Thank you, Evangelist Luke Levine, for ministering to us. I bless you. Well, we love you. Everybody say revival continues. I'll see you Sunday morning. Let's have church.